0: In our society, we're pretty obsessed with auditions and tryouts, be it for game shows or the Olympics. These tend to be dramatic, entertaining, and emotionally fraught, and the process for the big league orchestra auditions is no different. In this episode, I'm going to give you a behind-the-scenes look into what only happens behind closed doors in the classical world, which is the audition process. Musicians give their everything in these auditions, and it's incredibly difficult and competitive to win a job. And that's the term that we use, winning a job, because it's every bit a competition. But first, hello and welcome to Violin Class, the podcast for people who are learning the violin as an adult. My name is Julia. I'm a professional violinist and violin teacher, and I'm here to share my tips and experience to make learning the violin a little bit easier. You can find me at violinclass.co or write to me at violinclasspod at gmail.com if you ever have a suggestion for a future episode topic, are interested in learning the violin with me, or just want to say hi. And if you find this podcast helpful or interesting, I'd really appreciate it if you can leave a rating and review Wherever you're listening to your podcast, this helps me to reach new listeners and is the easiest way of showing your support for all the work that goes into making this show. So without further ado, back into the episode. Orchestra jobs are some of the only salaried positions in the classical world, and it's the end goal for many, many, many young professional musicians. In addition to allowing musicians to play in an orchestra for a living, which is pretty awesome, it also represents job security, financial stability sometimes, and a chance of settling down and having a fairly normal job. Musicians invest so much into this, years and years of formal schooling and training, private lessons, festival orchestras, tens of thousands of dollars worth of instruments and education, time away from work to fly to auditions, etc. And the truth is, there aren't enough jobs to go around for every talented young musician coming out of school. My guest today is Evelyn Tyros, who, along with being a dear friend of mine, is a professional violist and teacher of both violin and viola. She's already a very established musician and fantastic violist, and recently graduated from her master's degree at Rice University's Shepherd School of Music. She's going through the audition circuits herself and has already won plenty of auditions in different contexts throughout her career, be it for scholarships, festival orchestras, conservatories, and even orchestral sublists. She's competing against hundreds of musicians with a similar list of achievement and talent, at these orchestra auditions. And in our discussion today, she's going to share the good, the bad, and the ugly about the orchestral audition process, and it's absolutely fascinating. Even though I'm in the classical world and have a lot of close friends who are working auditions or recently won jobs, there's a lot that I had no idea about what happens. So if you love classical music, if you love violin and the orchestra, I'm sure that you're going to find this really, really interesting.
1: So hello everyone. I'm Evelyn Tyros, uh resident violist in Houston, Texas temporarily. I just finished my masters at Rice University and I'm looking at pursuing auditioning to get a job as an orchestral job would probably be the most ideal um source of income, I guess in this later stage in life. Yes
0: the ripe yeah. old age of 20 29 29 oh, yeah. 29 <laughs> before you finished up your master's what other kind of educational pursuits yeah. do did, did you have because
1: you have a bunch of degrees now huh <laughs> they were all based in performance I had like I'm sure most musicians have this, like you have to start young. And so when I started, I knew I didn't want to do solo. I knew I wanted to do either chamber or orchestral. And like very early on, I found out chamber is not sustainable for a lifestyle unless you're like the 1%. one of the four quartets that are like still functioning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very invested in orchestral life. I just from like grade 10 onwards, I was like orchestral musician. So I didn't really give it much thought for so many years. And then when I got to McGill and like how expansive that university is, I was like, do I want to be an orchestral musician? Um, So I did pursue a few courses like in music therapy and education. And I taught so much that I was like, oh, do I want to be educational versus performer? Um, But yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, I just chose performance because it—it's just so much fun. Like I don't know, I walk on stage and you get off and you're just rush of excitement and that's—that's that's usually the sign that like that's what I want to do. And yeah. like, yeah, um, teaching is a lot of fun though. I guess my first questions are how you're balancing. You've
0: been taking auditions for a few years mm-hmm. now. You're doing that while being a full time student. Student and people that you know aren't in this world. um, I don't think realize how big of an endeavor and a commitment, both emotionally, uh, time commitment, and financially, it is to to start kind of working the audition circuits, trying to find like a tenured orchestral job because there's just so few of them. So yeah, I wanted to just open up with like, how do you find auditions? Do you like them? Are they fun? for you
1: (laughs) definitely not fun um I would say there is silver linings within audition Mm -hmm. prep Uh, I think it has made me such a better musician because the amount of attention to like in so for anyone that doesn't know auditions basically you show up uh and you're in the first round you are always uh, um with a curtain so the judges won't see you and they're just members of the um orchestra and that you basically pay, play 40-second excerpts uh, and hope that from those moments in time that they think you're a valuable um, part of their team, essentially the orchestra. So they will judge on intonation, rhythm. There was Ben Kamens, uh, who is the bassoon teacher at Rice University, told a student that told me, uh, and I love this um, idea, is that behind the committee... You have the intonation police, you have the music musical police, and then you have the rhythmical police. You basically have someone that's going to be listening to different parts of your playing and to pass through each round, you have to get the majority on the panel. And the last time, last round, I mean, there's like, some rounds are blinded. Some are not like, most of them are blind now just to uh, battle subconscious bias Um, but for the most part, the final round can be, um, like without the, yeah, it can be open. Uh, and so you just, you want to make sure you're ticking all of those boxes as you prepare. And so what's really fun about audition prep is that you, as someone that loves paying attention to detail and micro instead of macro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I still work on macro once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, but I love just like really like taking time and like really like attention to detail and so that's really fun because it's made me realize so many things when I'm playing in such a small window that I'm able to transfer it over into so many other endeavors like learning music now is very easy because I have such a good method methodical approach to how I'm going to get this to performance level as fast as possible because in auditions sometimes you only have like three to four weeks to prepare um ideally not but like sometimes you'll know like eight of the 10 excerpts but those last two excerpts you have to within 2 months make it sound like you back of your hand you're super comfortable with it and you're just mm-hmm. yeah. Uh so that's been really fun. Um the audition itself is not so much.
0: Right. You have to
1: it depends on who you are as a performer but like it is each audition is its own thing. Um none I've I have not as of yet within like the five auditions, six auditions I've taken this year encountered a similar super similar experience everyone has been different so like you're basically i guess like the thing to take away from all of this uh that i'm saying is like you just have to prepare for everything <laughs> and so that's Not the hard part care. of it uh you, there's just no like okay i'm gonna do this and this is gonna go like this like there's no forward planning you can control some parts of your life within the audition process but overall yeah so there is some nice stuff. There's some not so nice stuff. Um, but it's, yes. it's like a really intense interview where you have to like pay to go somewhere for a first round. Like, there's right. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, except I think, I don't know for just the people that are listening
0: again, who aren't in this space, the level of competition for this, like these top orchestra spots, uh, these internationally renowned orchestras, it's kind of like the Olympics, right? Like they're not taking more people than the Olympics. I don't know what the numbers are, but it's like, we'll, we'll talk about the competition a little later. I just also wanted to ask um, for those who don't know, what is an excerpt to your, when you say forty-second sure.
1: excerpt. So there are, it's just like um, a small amount of a piece to show, highlight some part of your playing. There are, So you normally have to play a concerto uh, of like the, like the standardized rep that you have been learning throughout your entire (laughs) bachelor. And like that, that stuff is like the easy part. It's what we've been accustomed to learning Mm -hmm. Um, and like box JS box solo work, just to show like how you can play alone as well. Um, But an orchestral excerpt is literally taking a part of an orchestral piece, uh, like of your orchestral part And playing it without the, with the app, like the absence of the orchestra, being able to play your part and get them to feel like you're still playing with an orchestra, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's normally like a part of the orchestral repertoire that's hard and they know is going to be a pitfall for like whether or not they wanna play with you in a section. Basically, you're trying to show them like, oh yeah, this is someone I want to sit next to for the next 40 years. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're rushing through your, yeah. yeah. So if you're rushing through your excerpt, they're going to be like, well, no, but they're rooting for you. What I've heard over and over again is the audition committee doesn't want you to fail, but they also are going to be quite severe with their judgment. So like, if you're playing almost in tune, they're going to be like, No, because we've all been next to the person that plays almost in tune. It's not fun. And
0: how many excerpts do you have? And do you all, like, is there just a standard? Everyone, every orchestra wants
1: to hear these 10 pieces, or is it just a (laughs) lot bigger than that? For viola, I think we're lucky. I think it's, like, a lot of the same excerpts from most of the lists. Like, even the ones that I'm like, oh, they're asking for this. It's still within the range of, oh, I've seen this on some list. But... Mm -hmm. I've seen violin be much more intense, like even for a first chair audition, sometimes there's second. So uh, obviously there are two sections in violin and orchestra. And so like, they'll sometimes ask for both of them. Um, oh, I didn't even both. know that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I saw some of uh, my friend, Teresa Wong, like some of her list um, and it's in incredibly different. It also depends, on um, some larger orchestras, uh, because they have the ability to, cause like they have like the prestige of that orchestra. They can ask for whole works. It's not just excerpts. So I've definitely seen like Mozart 35, <laughs> like the entire symphony. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> all right. And <laughs> you right, they they don't back listen and all... to all
0: of it. Right. They just, no, they play measure 35 and we'll tell you when to stop.
1: Yeah. Like and so, yeah, exactly. The audition day is different. So like um, they'll give you a list ahead of time and that'll have like, it depends on the orchestra. Usually for a sub list, it's like five excerpts. Uh, that means like if they're auditioning just to have substitutes in their pool, that's a sub audition. And so those are like four or five excerpts. They just want to know if you can play. And then for a full round of an audition, it's like 10, 15, upwards I've seen lists that contain 30 excerpts I've seen lists that contain 10 like and it really doesn't matter like the um overall like ability of the orchestra like I've seen really famous orchestras like list 10 excerpts because they know that's all they need and then like some small town orchestra like list 30 and you're like what (laughs) Uh, so (laughs) it really depends on the orchestra but overall yeah viola is very standard but like It depends on the instrument. Like percussion, you have to show such a range of ability. Like there's timpani, but like there's always like a percussion subset. Like for flute, Mm -hmm. there's piccolo. There's like different types of instruments that you have to be able to play in those seats. And so you have to show that. Um, And there's usually like sight reading, a chamber work as well. So there's so many things to prepare for. Just editing me, jumping in here. If you're
0: curious as to where musicians actually learn about these upcoming auditions, and uh, super interesting what a real audition job listing looks like, make sure you're signed up for the podcast newsletter at violinclass.co slash newsletter, because there, uh, in this week's email, I'm sharing one of the major violin orchestra auditions of the year, which uh, actually a lot of my friends are taking, and what repertoire they're asking for, all of the specific excerpts, the site reading, all that stuff that Evelyn
1: just mentioned here when you get into the audition the first round they'll normally ask like three or four excerpts from the list and they won't warn you ahead of time um lately they've been sending pre-screen they've been sending the prelim list preliminary round list just because music's a small world so a lot of people will already know each other in the audition rooms and they'll message each other like oh this is what's on the prelim list Mm -hmm. and they want to make it more of an even fair round because some people won't have those connections and they they want everyone to have an equal footing in those cases. I've noticed like orchestras that concentrate on fairness and usually do that now, Mm -hmm. but not all. It's not, it's never a given because like, there's always that classical train. That's like, you just have to be ready for anything. You know, (laughs) there's always that (laughs) as an underlying, huh? Um, Yeah. We were going to stump you. And I'll mention this is, I mean,
0: you're all of your auditions have been in North America, right?
1: Yes, never, yeah. never across any yeah, border. Yeah, not either. sure how
0: things work. Um, that's, I mean, people are definitely auditioning from North America and or, yeah. European and Asian orchestras, but we're we're speaking for American. And
1: yeah, Japan. I think they're very similar though. I think the only thing that's different is the style of playing. Like mm-hmm. if I was auditioning for Europe, I would have to like learn a whole different style of playing. Like I know like how I play now would not really get me past the first round in most or European cities because they look for a different quality of sound and like, playing style overall.
0: That is super interesting. And that would be a good like other episode of a podcast, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we will like, yeah put a pause yeah. on that. But, um, okay. So, uh, you talked about different orchestras, like big orchestras, small orchestras, what are the different types of orchestra jobs typically that people are auditioning for? Um, and yeah, what do people look for in audition or, or do they look mm-hmm. for anything, you know, and we're talking people that are like it's their first job, they're out of school, they're, they're doing this yeah. time. We'll be right back after this quick break. The Violin Class Podcast is brought to you by my very own private violin studio. If you want to bring your violin playing to the next level, if you find that you're stuck on a certain technique or a piece, you're having trouble making progress, I would love to help you work through whatever challenges that you're working right now on violin. So if you're looking for a violin teacher to help guide you in your progress, or if you're self-teaching and looking for a one-time lesson to check in and work together to make a plan for your violin playing going forward, I would love to work with you. I've been teaching violin online to adult amateurs of all levels for over a decade. So if you are interested, you can reach out to me at violinclasspod at gmail.com or through my website at violinclass.co slash contact. And yes, beginners are always welcome. On that note, let's get right back into the episode.
1: I've, I mean, at at Rice, it's, I'm going to just put a little pin on this just because I think I'm in a really wonderful school environment where like everyone's gunning for orchestra jobs and so many people are winning like Mm -hmm. before even graduating. Um and so I feel like I have a different lens than a lot of other schools because a lot of other schools concentrate on solo playing a lot more than orchestral. Mm -hmm. So like for viola, before even moving into like types of like orchestras, regional or otherwise, there's always like principal, which is the first chair. That's usually the best paid position, but like it's it's a loaded position. It's a position I don't want to ever audition for. Like I do it just because of scarcity, but like. I don't want to be principal. Um, but then there's assistant principal, which is second chair. There is associate, which is like third chair. Sometimes these names sort of like, it depends on like the orchestral jargon. Sometimes associate means second. Sometimes assistant means second. It, they'd normally parentheses it. So you have your four title chairs though in viola. And those are like the better paying ones. And they're mm-hmm. like the ones that have to like normally play solos in orchestral repertoire. And the rest is just section which is still a fantastic place to be. I don't want to discre- like, I personally yeah. believe every member of oh, orchestra is a vital and important member of the section. And so like, those are the harder chairs for sure. But like being a se- a good section player is quite hard because you have to be so much more in tune to the rest of the orchestra being in the back. You're farther away from the action. So you have to be more attentive and more sensory, like disciplined. Um, but that's just a personal belief. Um, and then, so that's the type of job you can get in viola. I can only speak for viola. I don't know enough well, about. Violin the same, except there's yeah. the concert master job, obviously. Yeah. But oh, I mean, yeah,
0: there's not a lot of concert master jobs. It's basically when someone retires or dies. So
1: yeah. And that's going to be gunned for so strongly yeah. by like amazing players. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so like, I probably wouldn't do principal just because It's not my thing, but that is the, the options. And then orchestras, when you're leaving school, you do get to decide a little bit, but I think it really is more of a, like, do what you can afford to more than pick and choose. Just because as you said, there is a scarcity of positions. And so you really have to be like, well, if this orchestra is giving four chairs right now, I really should be auditioning for this because there's more of a chance I'll get it like just Mm -hmm. probability. But um, the big orchestras in the United States, and mm-hmm. I think that would include Chicago. Don't don't quote me on this, any American that's listening. Chicago, <laughs> Boston, Cleveland. I'd say New York. I got it. Yeah, New York, York Phil. My hometown, yeah.
0: uh, San Francisco Symphony, up there. That's L- pretty good. LA Phil. I would say LA Phil.
1: Yeah. And so you've got those orchestras that are like the top guns and when like they released and to be fair, like Rice people are like auditioning and getting through final rounds, Mm -hmm. final rounds, et cetera. Like we have so many good students here. Um, But yeah, so there are those big ones. And I think that those are more ambitious auditions, I want to say, but regional is I still think regional is a hard job to win like you still have to be a good player to win a a round of an audition you still have to be a good player to like I think like we have to start dispelling the myth that like oh those are easy peasy things to win because I think still a lot of the time people don't win them (laughs) certain orchestras can be really picky like there was a regional orchestra that I heard through the grapevine that kept persistently kept doing no hires and like putting people to the final round and someone that I know They got to the finals the first time there was a no hire. So like all these people spending at least $2,000 to do this audition, to take this audition in a small regional place. That's like much harder to get to. It's less accessible. They do a no hire, which is for me, I think ridiculous. (laughs) At least give a year conch. Like I understand not liking anyone. I understand not wanting to hire anyone, but at least give someone a chance. Like if they got that far, um because auditions are so much money why would you host an audition if you're not going to want to hire someone Mm -hmm. um and they redid the audition and this time they only advanced to semis and then took no finalists and it's just like why (laughs) it's so frustrating to hear that you're just like hire within your orchestra i mean that's obviously so illegal and don't do that but like yeah. it like doesn't make blast. sense
0: yeah so i mean people probably yeah. don't know that that there's a lot of auditions where they're gonna put their go through the entire process everyone yeah travels the audition they prepare and then no one gets hired yeah and everyone's good like if you're auditioning for these jobs
1: you're good like you you, you have, yeah there's yeah. something else like you have to pass a cv round. Uh, And sometimes if your CV isn't good enough, you are required to send a pre-screen tape. So like anyone that's showing up to these rounds can play like that. They've showed that like they've graduated from X school. They've gone onto a sub list. They've got past the, like you, if you get to a semis round, you normally put that on your playing CV. Um, because when you apply to a new orchestra position, they're like, oh, they got to X, Y, Z in this orchestral audition. That means they're serious. We want them to be auditioning because they don't want to just pass through every CV because that's too many people. Um, and really it's already long enough. So it's like yeah. kind of social proof.
0: Um, and you, I, I assume you'd be listing your teachers who you studied with because it is a really yeah. small world. Like everyone knows each other. And yeah. even the violin world, so viola must
1: be like times 10 because it's smaller. You'd think, but my teacher, my old teacher is not really well-recognized in U.S. because he's mostly in Canada. Oh, really? I, he's very I would say CV-wise, like, orchestral experience, sometimes summer orchestras, uh, summer programs, depending on the program, has gotten me farther than schools necessarily have. Okay. Um, but, like, at the end of the day, like, I got on a few sublists, and I really think that's what's passing me through the CV rounds now. Like, just... If there is a sublist audition in your town, just take it. It just is great on, it's just, it it gets you through
0: the door. Um, so you, you mentioned a number earlier with like two grand. That's how much it costs to be, you know, playing auditions earlier. But mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, yeah, like what do these things cost for musicians? And keeping in mind that a lot of the time they're either, you know, already have an orchestra job and maybe it's a regional job and they're trying to kind of level up or Mm -hmm. they're at school, have school debt and are, you know, you know, full-time, like, you know, they they say starving musicians for like a reason. It's, it's, it's true. You know, they're, they're not, people are not rich while they're doing these auditions. And on top of that, it's a really big financial investment. So like, what does a typical, yeah. What does a typical audition cost? Let's assume if you're in the States and you have to go to a different state, how does that look?
1: Yeah. So as I said before, every audition is different, but overall, I have noticed that auditions between the preliminary round and the final round usually are within a week. So sometimes you really do have to like book a week of Airbnbs because you're not like, oh, I'll just book the prelim day and we'll see if I make it past that because like, no, you're not, you're not planning to just pass You have to have the mindset that
0: you're going to win.
1: Exactly. And so like, that's already $500 worth of Airbnb. And you don't want to be too far from the hall in case like anything happens and you have to go back and forth. You don't want to be like an hour and a half away where it's like $30 a night, you know? So and there's that got a idea. good
0: night's sleep too. You have, to, yeah. you have to think about how your body feels and it's yeah. jet lag. You have to have someone- I did the not,
1: like, horrible <laughs> decision because there was an audition in Dallas and this was like in the heat of the moment in my last semester of school. And it was just not- it was not a smart move, but I flew in the day of, in the morning, and it was such a turbulent flight, I hate turbulence, like, it's one of my biggest fears, and so, like, I was having to deal with, like, in an hour, get to the airport, to the hall, and, like, calm myself down, and I was already tired, because it was a morning flight, and it was, no, (laughs) I do not recommend, because I was, like, it's so close. I don't have to fi- finally. I don't have to book a room. I don't have to spend money in this. Mm-hmm. And no, it's always just worth spending a night in the city that you're about to audition in. So you wake up with your mindset. Um, but yeah, they it can it can. So my Dallas was like maybe 150 200 dollars because I greyhounded like back to Houston. So that was like a $35 ticket. It was really funny. I was like, will I pass this first round? And I didn't. And I just like pressed purchase for the crayon ticket as like, they were telling me, I was like, perfect. Uh, I was not prepared. I was, it wasn't a big loss for that. I, I fully under, like, you know, when you leave a round, you're like, I wouldn't hire me. I don't think I'm passing. Like there is that mindset. And so I'm not like rejected. I don't feel rejection like that, but, um, yeah, like, Anything between 1000 to $2,000, depending on your comfortability, depending on what you need. Um, I would say like cutting costs is definitely important as like someone that can't, but like if you have a budget, you have to stay within it, obviously. But it does affect your overall audition on how much you cut your budget. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: if you're working, it's already hard enough, believe it or not. Um, if you're in school, literally trying to study orchestral music to get the time off to travel for what you said you took five six auditions so that's like yeah. five six weeks that you have to go um yeah. you have to have a, a job that's also willing to let you go for for those kinds of of things so you're really yeah. working, can't really be working full-time a regular
1: job if you're trying to get an orchestra job no you have to have a flexible job or you can already be working an orchestra job from what i've heard i mean obviously i don't i don't work in orchestra jobs so i don't know yeah um, but you will but yes. <laughs> um i know some people like they just have to be selective of the auditions they take like mm-hmm. they can't take any audition they want but like the orchestras will let them out for those weeks that they're like no i really want to take but like i don't understand the politics that much like i it's weird to be in an orchestra and be like, yeah, I want another orchestra, you know, like, I don't understand those (laughs) politics because I haven't been there. Yeah, I know some people keep on the DL about, like, the auditions they take on the side, just, and, like, also, like, on a side note, you hear musicians that are in orchestras, fantastic orchestras, and they're not getting past semis and auditions, and so, like, there's something to keep in mind, like, auditions, uh, my partner says this, and I really agree with uh, him on this. But like, auditions are whack. <laughs> you can be a fantastic player, play an awesome round, and then be like, "Yeah, your spiccato was just like not very Mozart." You know, like you have that one I've heard like people be rejected because their bass playing wasn't celloistic enough, and you're like, "That's not even a word." Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like it's whack. It's it's hard to plan for. And you're basically hoping that subjectively people like you. Um, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of luck. There's a lot of,
0: a lot of luck, a lot of politics, a lot of preparation, but we mentioned dating, honestly, (laughs) 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 really hard speed dating.
1: Yeah. Um, Sorry. We
0: We mentioned a little bit, uh, as far as your competition, because if you're listening to this, you might assume that like, okay, it's like a regular field where you go to school, you get educated, you try to find a job and then you're done. But in reality, when you're, uh, auditioning and when we say student, like we're not talking 18 year olds, uh, classical musicians are very educated. You might, you know,
1: like in this case, but generally most people people that are auditioning are like 22 upwards kind of. Yeah. And
0: 22 is really young still, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Really the beginning, but people do doctorate programs very often, masters. Mm-hmm. There's something called artist diplomas also. So people mm-hmm. are doing like eight years of school. Um yeah. so we're talking those age students. And in violin when and viola, when you start at age five, it's like you've been
1: playing for a while. I started at twelve. So I definitely didn't have that Suzuki training that I wish yeah. I did. And that means you practice a lot. Totally I really didn't. My dad forced me to play an hour a day if I was to watch TV. So thank you, dad. Like it really did help in the beginning. Just like to, I think discipline is more what it is. Like mm-hmm. um, my old teacher, Andre Roy, like he always said, um, like practice makes permanence, not mm-hmm. practice makes perfect. So if you keep practicing the bad mistakes, like for four hours, you're not going to get anywhere because you're not listening and you're not doing the right thing. Yeah, then it's going to be so harder to unlearn asking this because I'm like, oh wow, it is really complicated as I'm going through. Yeah, to just go back to
0: the competition point, so yeah, computing with other students, first of all, from your school, yeah. and if you're in this level, you're you know you're at like a top conservatory or music school. Like mm-hmm. the competition just in your school is insane, and then it's all the other schools. But then also you're competing with a bunch of professionals who are have already mm-hmm. won like one orchestra job. So what is yeah. that like?
1: So I take a very like wholesome approach. Um, I always view it as I'm in competition with myself. I can only sound better than me yesterday. Um, I guess music is also in the sense subjective, in the sense that like you are who you are as an artist. And like, if you try to be someone else, you'll never be authentic and it'll never come across as authentic. Like you hear when someone else is just doing a phrase idea that someone has given them and they don't believe in themselves kind of thing. But to expand on that to competition, I had such a fun time auditioning because I knew so many people in almost every audition. And I think something that I really appreciate what I've tried to amass is that even within competition that I'm not going against my friends, like I'm going against myself and I hope that they like me, but I want my friends to get those positions as much as I want. Like, I mean, like there's a selfish, like survival mode that, yeah, I want the job more than them. But like, if they get the job, I'm not going to be salting me. They're like, yeah, another one got through. Like, I'm so happy. So I don't, I try not to get bogged down by the numbers and stuff like that, just because at the end of the day, like everyone deserves a spot and it sucks that we don't have those spots. Um, I think my partner said it like really well, it's like, there's a high wall And like, everyone's trying to get over it. And so like, if someone gets over it, you're not salty that they got over it. You're like ecstatic that someone got through, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, it's like, it can weigh you down if you start comparing yourself to others. Like, oh, I don't sound like this. Oh, I don't sound like that. Oh, I I can't do this. I can't do that. But I like to take those as like, opportunities of learning. Like, oh, I clearly am jealous of not being able to do this. How can I get better at this? Because mm-hmm. it's clearly something that I wish was in my toolkit. Um, and I use that as just proponents to getting better than wondering why I'm not succeeding, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how I view competition. Um that's a really lovely it. answer. It's very <laughs> wholesome, but it's it's it, answered, yeah, it really helps me stay like grounded as who I want to be as a person. I don't want to become bitter, I don't want to become salty and sometimes I'm not I'm I'm clearly not perfect. I definitely have moments of that, but like when my emotional turmoil is a little lower. I try to remind myself, like, this is the person I want to be. And this is the mindsets I want to have. And as an educator, like, I don't know, all of it seems to, like, full circle itself. And it, you just live a better life <laughs> if you're not just like, why I should have won that job screw you can cantankerous tim like why <laughs> did you take this position from me? like <laughs> i'm so happy like i know so many people that won jobs and i'm while i'm sad i didn't win one like i'm so happy and they all seem so happy and ecstatic and you just remind yourself that will be me one day mm-hmm. It's sort of yeah. that and yeah i don't know i yeah. also like you can please speak to this but like growing up in montreal like artist is such a wide variety of the word like I don't think I would be a failure if I didn't get an orchestra job
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: probably would just go to another field and be very happy that I went as far as I could within this from one um I don't know like quality of life for me isn't just a job it's not just like material success so like I don't I guess that also doesn't stress me out because like I'm not worried about that being like mm-hmm. the end game
0: and I think that's a really lovely place to stop. Thank you so much to Evelyn for sharing the real details of what it's like to be in this phase of life as a classical musician, and I hope that you as the listener got some takeaways and found our conversation interesting. That's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a rating or review wherever you're listening to your podcast. This really helps me to reach new listeners and to stay motivated to keep on making new episodes. And if you'd like to read the full show notes to this episode, including the job listing examples that I mentioned earlier, you can get those at the Violin Class newsletter, which you can sign up for at my website at violinclass.co slash newsletter. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you at the next one.